Proverbs 2, verse 8, NLT. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Welcome back to this week's episode of Melanin Medley, where this week we're going to talk about moving forward into stewardship. Now, this is different compared to what we've already been talking about, but what does it mean when God's asking us to steward over something that we have to do for someone else? Stay tuned. Let us pray. Dear Father God, thank you for blessing us with yet another day. Father God, you've brought us so far into this Moving Forward series. You've asked us to identify what it is you want us to move forward from. You asked us to relinquish all control over our situations in our lives. So this week, we pray that you just open our hearts and minds to be able to receive what it is that you're saying to us in this season. We all find ourselves at different phases of our moving forward, whether we're moving forward from something or someone or from a situation, and we're moving into something completely different. We pray that as we go into this season of moving forward, and especially into this episode, that you really humble our hearts, open our minds, and allow us to really be able to pay attention to what it is that you're saying to us in our lives. And it's in all these things we ask, not by our will, but your will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen. Hello, hello. Welcome back. So this is part three of our Moving Forward series. You've made it really far. You should be proud of yourself. So give yourself a big pat on the back because you did that. Yes, you did. So, so far, we've already identified what it is we need to move forward from. And I don't know about y'all, but my list got really, really long since that first episode. And then the second part of that was what exactly we are and we're not in control of. But this week... God challenged me in a way that I was not expecting. He was asking me to identify how to steward over something or someone else that has nothing to do with what I'm moving forward from or into. Now, originally when I planned this whole series out, I was not anticipating that I would even have an episode like this. But there was this nudge as I was planning, as I was trying to get in my own mind what exactly I wanted to say. God's like, you need to talk about this. And it was with a resounding no. I said, Father God, you got me all the way messed up. I got all these ideas. I got all these things that I want to do. But he's like, no, you need to pay attention to what exactly I'm saying to you in this season. And I can't be more grateful that God sat me down the way that he did because I don't know about y'all and I'm not gonna say like I have all the answers y'all already know what I said I'm not gonna do my same rant from the last episode but I cannot emphasize how grateful I am that God sat me down to do this episode it's really important and near and dear to my heart because it's something that I even had to come to terms with for my own life And I remember this time where Pastor Todd was like, or not really this time, but I remember how Pastor Todd's always like, I'll never preach about something that I'm not going through myself. And he was very clear about that. And this week, (laughs) 
this week in my life is the first time that I've actually had to practice what I preach. And not that I've ever recorded anything in the past that I didn't have to actually pull from experiences with, but this was like live and living color that I've actually had to apply what I learned. Rather than dragging this out, let's get to the main question that we're getting to this week. What if your moving forward causes you to be under someone else's stewardship for a season? Or better yet, let me phrase it this way. What happens when you're moving forward is into stewarding for someone else? Now, remember how last week we took a strong look at Joseph's story. And we're kind of going to trek through Joseph's story just to get a clearer understanding of what a moving forward season looks like. But we're going to fast forward into Genesis 39. So last week we looked a look at Genesis 37 where, you know, (laughs) Joseph's brothers were wilding as expected. But I skipped over 38 because I personally didn't really see how this aligned. And I even prayed about it a little bit. And God's like, no, I need you to focus on 39. And I was like, what does 39 have to do with anything? Like, what does that have to do? And he's just like, girl, if you don't, you know, the Lord's like, girl, if you don't or boy, if you don't. I'm going to be like, you know what? You right. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. So we're going to look at Genesis 39. And this chapter specifically, as you already know, I'm about to read the entire thing. So don't fret. This chapter specifically never brought something more to the forefront of my own mental than this. I've never encountered something where it's been so in your face as this thus far in my podcasting journey. So let's take a look, shall we? So if you can do me a favor, take out your Bibles. I'm I'm kidding. I'm about to read it to you. So we're going to start in Genesis 39, verse 1, reading in the NIV version. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, verse four, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Verse seven. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Ooh. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Verse 11, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. 
Verse 13, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Verse 16, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Verse 19, when his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Verse 22, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Okay, so we just read all of Genesis 39. And yes, there were 23 verses. And you know, if anybody knows me personally, they know that I know when I'm being trolled and I'll just leave it there. So as we look at Genesis 39, there are a few things going on in here. Just for a brief summary, we have Joseph who's already been sold into slavery by his brothers. But when he gets into slavery, he's purchased by the Ishmaelites to work for Potiphar. And Potiphar is this very well-renowned Egyptian who works for Pharaoh. When he's working for Potiphar, he's stewarding well, he's doing all these things, he's working hard, and then... Potiphar's wife comes on to him as he's working hard. And it's just like, the question that comes up for me is just like, okay, so the Lord has watched all of this go down. He saw Joseph getting sold into slavery by his family, his brothers. And then he sees him getting purchased by Potiphar. But the one thing I want to draw attention to, the one thing that really stands out to me is that there's this strong emphasis of the Lord being with Joseph from the beginning to the end of his stay with Potiphar. And we can tell that this favor that the Lord has over Joseph is not unbeknownst to any of us. We saw it all through chapter 37. But when we look at chapter 39, it's very clear that we can see four times the scripture mentions that God is with Joseph. We can see it in verse 2, verse 3, verse 20 through 21, and verse 23. So keeping in mind that the Lord is with us from the beginning to the end, what does this have to do with moving forward into stewardship? I'm glad you asked a question that I know you're thinking because you wouldn't be here if you didn't have that question. The only way we can really go into answering this question is looking closely into the stewardship that Joseph had to maintain while stewarding over Potiphar's house. We have to be able to identify what is really going on because the question isn't whether or not we should be stewarding over it. The question is that if I've already left everything I've known behind, everything that God has placed in my life and he told me you need to move out of that you need to go into something else 
what exactly am I supposed to be doing, especially if that next phase is to be in stewardship? And not only stewardship, it's not like I'm stewarding over the gifts, stewarding over the promise, stewarding over what it is God has given me a vision for, but I'm stewarding over something that does not belong to me. I'm stewarding over somebody else's dream, somebody else's promise, somebody else's, oh Lord, give me a vision. They're living in their vision and I have to steward over it after the Lord just told me to move forward into something. How does that work? How is that fair? So I believe if I were in Joseph's shoes, I would have the same question. It's just like, Lord, you you painted this beautiful picture for me in 37, but two chapters later, I'm a slave in somebody else's house taking care of their things. How does that work? So let's look at Genesis 39 verses one through five. Okay, just so we can keep at the forefront keep the scripture in it, keep reminding ourselves of what exactly it is Joseph's responsible for in this season. So let's go. Genesis 39 verse one. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So I'm going to stop right here. The one identifier that we can see, especially in our moving forward season, and this is just a nugget. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Sometimes when we're moving forward into something else and then that moving forward season transitions us into stewardship, we may very well be stewarding over someone that is mirroring exactly what God has called us to. Sit with that. The one thing you know that God has called you to do He will put it in front of your face and see how you steward over it, even though you have no attachment to it. Now that just hurt me. Do you know the amount of times I found myself in scenarios where I had to steward over something, someone, or a situation that I had no ties to once I walked away from it? That's like, if I was not a believer, I feel like I wasted all my time. You mean to tell me I gotta be here, do all this stuff? Waste all my time, all my resources, all my money, and I don't even get anything from it? Think about it. Now, if you are using your power and spiritual gift of discernment through the Holy Spirit, you know where I'm going with this. What is the Lord teaching him in this instance? The Lord is teaching Joseph humility. Right? That's what I see. Because he's seeing that in verse one, it's already identifying Potiphar. And it's it's such a long verse that it's like, you got to pack all of this, Father God, into one verse? Yes, you do. Because not only is Joseph stewarding over someone who's completely different from Potiphar's an Egyptian. He's stewarding over someone who's Pharaoh's officials. Pharaoh's people enslaves Joseph's people. But he's stewarding over his stuff. From the lowest point of becoming a slave, you're stewarding over one of Pharaoh's top captains that's a lot to take on especially if you're in a moving forward season especially if you abandon everything that you've known that is giving you comfort giving you solace giving you a sense of identity you left that all behind to become a slave Ooh, a slave to someone else who is living the dream that god has given you what do you do what do you do then And I don't know why God wanted me to pause there, 
But I'm just going to throw that out there. So I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Picking up in verse two, it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave his success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So what is the Lord saying right here? I got from this at, at, at its bare bones. Your moving forward season, especially in terms of stewardship, comes with responsibilities. And sometimes that's at the expense of someone else's stuff to get where God is trying to take you. Now, this picture that's being painted in front of him of everything that Potiphar is entrusting him with, it's almost as if God is placing him in a position of stewarding over a bunch of things that it's not even his to take. Does that resonate with someone? Like, do you imagine those moments where God has given you everything and then he's asking for it back? The Lord is showing him that Nothing that he is receiving, all of his elevation, all of these things have nothing to do with him. You know why? Because it says the Lord is with him. It says in verse five, the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field. But let's read up a little further at the beginning of verse five that it says from the time he put him in charge of his household, that's Joseph in charge of Potiphar's house. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. So when you recognize you're in your moving forward season, and especially if you're transitioning into something that gives you new responsibilities over someone else's stuff, you realize that you are being blessed to be a blessing. And these people see it in you. And you can't really comprehend why is the Lord putting me through this? If you get so stuck in your moving forward season and being a slave or being tied to someone else's dream or vision that has nothing to do with you, you have to recognize that what you're doing is blessing them and it has nothing to do with you. We learned this already. We know this already. We've, we've talked about this time and time again, but when you recognize that the season that God is transitioning you to, because that's what moving forward is, is a transition period. It's your wilderness. It's where he strips you of everything that you thought that you were, everything that you associated with, everything that people have told you you were about yourself. He strips you of that to remind you that you being a blessing is because people need to see that you are not responsible for how you're going to get blessed. They need to be able to see that God is running this. God is moving through you. There's no way that when Potiphar went to purchase Joseph from the Ishmaelites that any other Ishmaelite would have been able to do what Joseph did because the Lord was with him. You see what I mean? In your moving forward season, God positions you in a place where only he can get the honor and glory because you look to him to give you the promise he's giving you before you started your moving forward season. So when you're stewarding over someone else's stuff, you being a good steward is being like your father. And your father can only identify with you if you're being like him. He's never far from you, even if you're doing your own thing, even if you do what you want. He's not far from you. But when you're in alignment with what he's called you to do, 
And even if that doesn't look exactly like the penthouse suite looking like you can go date whoever you want or being in a profession that you think you're supposed to be in, it looks different. The way the kingdom works is upside down. All those that are high are low and all those that are low are high. Everyone is opposite in the kingdom. When God is looking to you, he's looking for those that are lowly, those that work in humility, those that steward well over stuff that has nothing to do with them. So why am I harping on this? Why is this so important to me? Because in a moving forward season, it's so easy to get caught up in all the things that you think could potentially happen based on one vision God gave you. But baby, remember, when God gives you that vision, he's not expecting you to try to pay for that vision, for you to try to make it happen. If Joseph started saying, I'm a king, I'm not supposed to be doing all this stuff, he would have been right back enslaved with the other Ishmaelites. But God chose him to make him an example of what it means to steward over your moving forward season in stewarding other people. That's what this is all about. Stewardship. 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 God is trying to take you to another place, but he needs to see how you steward over it when your vision, his promise to you is right in front of you every single day. A constant reminder of I'm not in control of this situation. There's nothing I could possibly say or do that could elevate me any higher. It's only through my trust in my provider, my Jesus, my Lord. It's only by putting my trust in God that I can even go where I want to go. I have to steward over the season that God has given me. So just one thing to really recognize when you're moving forward, that next phase is stewardship. And God gives you instructions on how to steward over this season. Remember when Joseph was called into the house and he stewarded well because Potiphar could see that the Lord had implanted him good stewardship. He elevated him to be the top attendant of his house. So it's in those moments where he was stewarding over these things just based off of what he was supposed to do, that Potiphar saw in him like, yes, this is what you need to do. So God gives you the instruction on how to steward over that season. He doesn't just throw you into that season all willy nilly and you're not really sure who to follow, who to say, what, when, where, whatever. He gives you the instruction. He supplies you and it's in your spiritual gifts. It's in your time with him. It's in connecting with him that people can see that God is in that person. There's no way that they could be able to even project or say what they're trying to say because it's not them talking. It's not them moving. It's not them stewarding over what God has given them. It is God. And sometimes God positions you. This is a little nugget. I didn't even write this down, but God positions you in places so that they can be as close to God as they could possibly fathom and recognize in that season. Sometimes people are so wayward, so far from God that they can't even see how God is moving in their lives. But when they see you, they see God. So even if they're afraid to get into their prayer life, if they're afraid to close their eyes and worship, if they're afraid of these things, they can look at you and say, God is moving through them. So if I could just get close to them, remember the lady that was bleeding for 12 years? If I could just touch the cloak of this person who's divinely created, can I just touch his cloak and I could be able to be connected to God and be healed? That is what God is calling us to. That is who God is creating us to be. He's not creating us to 
be these beings that just get all these blessings, get all these visions, get all these things. And we're not even stewarding over the people or the season that he positioned us for. Remember, Joseph already got the vision to be this huge figure above his brothers, above all these things. But God positioned him in slavery. So when we're moving forward into a season, especially into a season of stewardship, because that seems like that's the next phase. God is trying to position us in a place where we have to seek his understanding and seek his will into what we're supposed to do. And he doesn't leave us on our own regard to do it. The Lord was with him two times in just those verses alone. It says the Lord was with him every step of the way. Okay. Whew. I don't know what the Lord's doing because <laughs> that's some real stuff right there. It's real. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. I can speak on that all day, but we're not going to stay there. We're not going to stay there. We're going to keep moving. So we're moving forward into this season of stewardship. So we already know that we're responsible for someone else's stuff. We have to make sure that we are always in God's presence. He will never leave us. Like he's always with us, even when we're far from him. But we have to make sure we stay in God's presence and keep stewarding the way that he's already prepared us to steward. But what happens when you're stewarding well over something and there's a monkey wrench? You know what I mean? Let's talk about, here's an example I have. So you ever have your whole day planned out? Like your whole day. You know what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to go, who you're going to talk to, who you're not going to talk to, who you're going to avoid. Like you have your whole day planned out. And then someone throws a monkey wrench in it. Or what about those days where you wake up and you know you have your plan, but then as soon as you step out the door, the world has some foolishness to throw at you. And you think to yourself, I should have stayed my behind in the bed. You ever get those days? I get those days. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus how often I get those days, but we all have those days, you know? But what happens when you're after God, you're after what he's called you to do, you're after that dream deferred, you're after what he's moving you forward into and there's a monkey wrench. While you're stewarding over something, something that's not even yours and it comes to distract you. You're supposed to be moving forward and stewarding and stewarding over something that is not even yours. And the enemy comes in. Let's say you start a fast with your friends for your friends and your other friends ask you out to eat. Monkey wrench. What happens when you're babysitting for these kids just to make a little extra money on the side, but your friends ask you to go with them to go out to eat? But you know you're not free. Monkey wrench. Or something a little bit more closer to home. What happens when you're trying to be in the midst of being on your own celibacy journey and all of your friends are walking a different lifestyle than you are? Monkey wrench. Now, insert something that you're doing and then insert what you would rather be doing. We call that a monkey wrench. When these monkey wrenches happen, we think to ourselves, 
why would God even call me here in the first place and something like this happens? Like, what about this? This this has happened to me before. I had just gotten into a new relationship. I met a new guy. Like, I, I really, really liked him. And we were out all night, like all times of the night. I should not have been out that late. But it was a new guy. It was new love. I was like, yes, like he finally gets me, whatever. And I'm driving back to my apartment and I catch a flat because I fell asleep on the road. Now, my journey was to get to the house because I knew I had class. I didn't want to drive my car and monkey wrench. I catch a flat tire. Now I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Lord, don't you want me to get home? But it's almost in the midst of that monkey wrench that God is speaking to us, right? You got to remember, you're here on assignment. You're outside of anything you had ever experienced. Like this isn't normal. This isn't what you're used to. And in doing that, something like this happens. It's like something where you don't even have any kind of ties or allegiance to what it is you're supposed to be doing. But that assignment that you're stewarding over, a monkey wrench comes in and it's over something that's not even yours. You're asking God, why now? Why is this happening now? The only answer that makes sense to me is that the enemy is very persistent and he does not take no easily. Or better yet, if it's something that you've been struggling with and something you're trying to walk away from, temptation is persistent and does not take no easily. So I bet you're sitting there thinking like, okay, yes, I'm moving forward. Yes, I've already identified what I'm moving forward from. Yes, I've already identified that I'm not in control. God's in control. And you've even done that exercise that I told you to do in the last episode. But then in all of this practice that you're doing, a monkey wrench comes in. And it's especially in a season where it has nothing to do with you. Something you're not even responsible for. But God is holding you accountable for. What do you do? The only justification I could come up with was the enemy is so persistent and he hates to see a good steward. He hates to see when... God is moving in ways that does not make sense. Why is this slave being promoted to the top attendant of one of Pharaoh's top captains in Egypt? Why is this happening? I don't like it. I need to disrupt it. I need to remind him that he is still lowly. He is still able to be manipulated. He is able to still be human. He is nothing. I need to remind him that whatever it is that he's supposed to be stewarding over, let me be clear, whatever it is that she's supposed to be stewarding over, whatever it is that God's child is supposed to be stewarding over, we need to cut that down right now. Because if they move forward too soon, if they move forward too fast, they'll be able to remember and recognize that, oh, they can do this with God. And no, they need to be reminded that they're all human. Like they can't do that. They can't steward well over something for a long period of time. They're inconsistent. They're procrastinators. They're liars. They're manipulators. I need to remind them of their old nature to make sure that they are not thinking that they can so easily move forward into a new season and not be challenged in some capacity. And let me be clear. There are some instances where God is checking our hearts and we give the enemy way too much credit. But I feel like in this instance, we are very clear who was with us. 
So if God is with us, the enemy is going to try to distort any and all security that we have to make us think that God is not with us. So who better than our Lord and Savior to be able to walk us through these moments where we're on assignment by God moving forward into a season that we're called to and a monkey wrench? Who better to follow this than Jesus? So now we're going to look at Matthew 4 and compare that to Joseph's story. We're going to look at how they both handled these monkey wrenches that were being thrown into their lives and into their purpose. So let's take a look. When we identify the monkey wrench, the first step is recognizing this is an assigned season. As soon as we recognize that nugget, it is able to keep us anchored and grounded into everything that God has called us to do. So let's look at Joseph's story. It says it clear as day in Genesis 39 verse 4. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Assigned season. Joseph was given a clear instruction of what it is he was responsible for and what he was supposed to be doing during this stewardship season. So let's go over to Jesus' story. Clearly, verse 4. One in Matthew four, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It was an assigned season. Jesus was there on assignment and purpose. He was there to what? Be tempted. He was sent there. He was led there by the spirit, which was on assignment by God. So when you're in a moving forward season, especially in a season of stewardship, you have to recognize that your time there is assigned. What you do there is on purpose. What you do there is associated and tied to what God has called you to do. Before I forget, the one monkey wrench that was thrown into Joseph's life was that as he was stewarding over what he was supposed to be doing, Potiphar's wife comes on to him. So let's let's throw that in there just so we're all on the same page. It says, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. When we've identified this monkey wrench in Joseph's life, he's supposed to be stewarding over Potiphar's house. He's the held. He's the head attendant in Potiphar's house. We've identified that. But now like the first step is recognizing that this is an assigned season. In this season, Joseph was assigned to be the household attendant of Potiphar's house. In Jesus' season, this is the season in which Jesus was led to be tempted by the enemy. So once we've identified in this monkey wrench what it is that God is doing, we can move on to the next step. Identify what is tempting you. And it's not God. God never tempts you. Let's remind ourselves that it was in this portion that we were able to see God is with Joseph every single step of the way. And there's nothing that can really stand in between their relationship because it's so solidified. So in Joseph's story, it's clearly Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife is tempting him to come to bed with her. And we see this in verse 7 in verse 10 and verse 12. Verse seven, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. And verse 10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, 
he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Verse 12, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. So we see three instances in which Joseph is being tempted by Potiphar's wife to sleep with her. And then let's go over to Matthew chapter 4 to look at Jesus' story. So we see in verse 3, it says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. And then in verse 6, it says, If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against stone. And then in verse 9, it says, All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. This is when the enemy is trying to show him the high mountain and all of the kingdoms that Jesus would steward over. Once we've read both stories, it's almost a question of what would it mean when you're in your moving forward season, and it's especially in terms of stewardship, that when this monkey wrench comes, we already know that we're assigned there, but we also have to be careful in identifying what is tempting us during this time. So if I were to look at my own life, in the midst of this monkey wrench that's happening, let's keep going with this story, there's this temptation to be upset, to be easily frazzled, to be easily angered by the fact that I caught this flat tire and I was trying to head home. There's this easily frustrated self that may come over. Some of you that when you're trying to go into this next phase, you feel like, wow, i I feel like I've grown. I feel like I've evolved into this new person, but why can't I just go back to that old relationship? Or why can't I just go back to being that student that really didn't do everything that they were supposed to do, but just got by? Even though you said this would be the season in which I would be one of the most academically sound students of my college days or my high school days or my master's days, whatever phase of education you are in, this would be the time where I would actually do what I'm supposed to do. Or what about those instances where for me, okay, I've birthed this podcast by the will of God, but then I get my first criticism saying that she has no idea what she's talking about. That monkey wrench, I'm moving forward into a season of what it is I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing what God has called me to do, but monkey wrench, what then will you do? Label it, identify what it is, because if you can't put a name to it, it has no language and it hides in darkness. It hides in your thoughts. It hides in those ideas where you're not willing to talk about it with someone and be able to really get through and pray through what it is that's attacking. But you have to identify whatever it is and what is tempting you or who it is and who's tempting you. And if we move on into the next part, we've already done the steps of recognizing this is an assigned season. We just identify what it is tempting us. We have to keep in mind These temptations that may come are really just a matter of us strengthening what it is that God has already reminded us. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 in the NLT version, it says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So when we're thinking about identifying what that temptation is, it leads me into the next part in which we have to refuse and remember the assignment. Because remember, the first step is that we identified that this is an assigned season. That third step is refusing and remembering what exactly that assignment is. So in Joseph's story, we can see in verse eight, he says, 
but he refused with me in charge. He told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her, or even be with her in verse 10. And then in verse 12, it says, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So this is a pretty extreme example. Like you have Joseph stewarding over this house that's not his, he's enslaved, but he's been promoted to this top attendant position by Potiphar. But in the midst of all of that, Potiphar's wife is constantly trying to seduce him. And each time he's rejected it, even to the point of leaving the house, but he's constantly reminded, at least we can see so clearly in verse eight, he is reminded of what exactly he's responsible for, which is every and anything in the house. And we can see in Matthew four that Jesus does the same thing every time the enemy comes and tries to tempt him with something. It says in verse four, Matthew four, verse four, that Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God when he is tempted with the bread, right? And then it says in verse seven, after he's been tempted to like throw himself down, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. So then we can also continue this one more time where it says in verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only when the devil tempts him to worship him. It's in each assignment where all of these monkey wrenches are being thrown that God is able to tell us, like, remember why I brought you here in the first place. It has nothing to do with the monkey wrench that may disrupt your peace, may disrupt your joy, which is something I give you freely. It has everything to do with how you're stewarding over it. And when that temptation comes, it won't be more than you can bear, but it also will not take you out enough for you to forget why you're there in the first place. So in that, we also see that next step of trusting God is with you through it all. So as I stated in the beginning, Joseph has been stewarding over this house with Potiphar and Four times it has been said that the Lord was with Joseph in the beginning, in verse two and verse three. And then it continues even further when he's thrown back into the prison after Potiphar's wife has made this blatant accusation that Joseph tried to come on to her. But we see so clearly that that was not the case as we read further on through the verses. So that next step of when you're trying to move forward and you have this monkey wrench being thrown into whatever it is you're stewarding over. We have to trust God is with us through everything. It was in the beginning and in the end for Joseph that the Lord was with him. But we can also see so clearly in Matthew 3 that as soon as Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water and the Lord says, this is my son who I am well pleased. There's this resounding affirmation that comes out in the midst of this season where everything looks like I'm responsible for these things and I have no control over it, but all these things keep happening. What am I supposed to do? Trust God. 
And that's not an easy answer. It's not. But it's in addition to recognize what is tempting you, recognizing that this is an assigned season, recognizing and remembering why you're there. Refuse anything that is trying to make you believe that this is where you're staying. And it's in that refusal that we can find peace and be at home with God. These moving forward seasons are different for each and every one of us. And sometimes, at least for Joseph's story, it may cost you leaving something you want and surrendering to what God has in store for you. So remember, Joseph was stewarding over the house, right? And then Potiphar's wife kept tempting him to come sleep with her. But then it says in verse 12, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph was a tremendous steward for Potiphar, even to the point of being promoted to his top attendant, only to be tempted by Potiphar's wife. And to be stripped of his cloak, once again, being stripped of something and having to run out of the house. So for me, I identified so much with this instance of the series because recently there has been a season for me where I was responsible for stewarding over something that wasn't mine, but it became almost a part of my life. And for the time... It was something that I didn't necessarily see myself doing. It was my last year of college, but I wanted to be there. I was there as a mentor. I was there to support a group of kids, as you all heard me say in the first episode, that I would mentor over. I've entered a season in which I've graduated and I'm moving on to the next phase of my life. And that entire time, people would see that God was moving through me and shining through me in the whole business flourish. But let's be clear in recognizing that it wasn't by my own doing that this was able to happen. God guided and ordered every single one of those steps. And it took me having to graduate. It took me having to leave the city because I have to move into the next phase of my life that it was like, well, God, I didn't even want to be here initially. You placed me here. Now I'm having to uproot my life in order to transition into another period because I'm moving forward. What about all of the stewardship? What about all this time I spent with these kids? What about all the relationships I built? What about all of these things that I've done over something that I've had no responsibility for, but you've placed me in this season? What is it? Why am I here? And for me, the lesson I walked away from it with is it had nothing to do with what I was doing, but who I was becoming. And in those seasons when you're stewarding over something, especially when you're moving forward, God very directly jades your vision of anything that has to do with anything with what you're moving forward into. He takes you into this training period where you learn to be like him. 
He doesn't try to idolize. He sometimes puts what the vision was in front of you. So in Joseph's case, he puts Potiphar's position in front of him, which is this very elite position in Egypt. But for me, it was like I was placed in a position in which I was stewarding over kids, but I was surrounded by people who were making such strong impacts in communities. And what I learned from that experience was what it meant to be humble what it meant to learn how to make tough decisions, what it meant how to, what it meant to communicate effectively with different ages and different creeds of people who may look like me, who may not look like me, who may talk like me, who don't talk like me. It taught me a strength and character that only God could take credit for. So what I'm going to leave you with is what would it mean for when you're moving forward into something and you're in a season of stewardship and it costs you dying to your own character. It costs you being stripped to just who God has called you to be, which is to always rely on him. Always look to him. Always look for his presence in what you're doing. Now, the enemy in the midst of your moving forward season will try to thread these web of lies with limited information of who you are. And we can see that with Potiphar's situation. We can see it. We can see it very clearly. Let's say you're stewarding over something, you're doing great, but then someone comes in and lies on you. What then? You, you weren't even supposed to be there. That's No, nah, I didn't want to be here. I wanted to go, you know, walk into the season God called me to. What am I supposed to do now? Let's just look at it. In verse 13, it says, When she saw he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed when he heard me scream for help. He left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Is Potiphar's wife is lying here and she used his cloak to smear his entire image and reputation because she didn't get what she wanted. So what happens when the enemy comes in and starts trying to taint a season in which you were stewarding over something that you had no responsibility or allegiance to? It's just where God has placed you. And even to the extent that these lies that were spun get Joseph tossed into prison. Nowhere in that did God leave Joseph. So even in the season where it's like you're moving forward. For me, I'm moving forward into a new season. I'm moving forward into a different phase in my life and I'm no longer able to be with the kids. The lies that started entering my mind is that the kids are going to think I don't care about them. They're going to think I'm just leaving because everybody leaves in their life. They're going to think, you know, why even take any kind of mentorship seriously? They're just there for a season. And I had to be reminded the day I made the decision that I had to move and all of that, that the same God that brought me into that 
season of stewardship is the same God that's going to facilitate everything that was there before I got there and everything when I leave. And when you're moving forward, it does not require you having to defend what God has already ordained. It does not require you to try to justify why you're moving forward. Joseph did not have to justify why he was running out that house. The enemy knew why he was running out the house. He knew why Joseph did not stay. The enemy knows why I'm not staying. But he will try to thread and corrupt and skew every kind of thought that may keep you grounded where you're supposed to be. But the reminder is that the Lord is with Joseph. The Lord is with Dime. The Lord is with, insert your name. No matter what moving forward season you're in. God has graced you to be in that stewardship, that level of where you are during your moving forward season, but he's also graced you to move into something else. And remember, this is a season. This isn't your where you stay. This is where you're supposed to reside for now. So do what you are supposed to do and be prepared for God to put you in another position. And don't forfeit the promise for a mirage of temptation. The temptation is to believe those lies like, oh, the, the kids want me to stay. This is for me now. This could be somebody else. This is for me. The kids want me to stay because they'll believe that I'm leaving them. No. Then I forfeit the promise of where God is trying to take me, which is the next phase of my life. If Joseph believed the mirage that Potiphar's wife was actually attracted to him and wanted to be with him, he would forfeit the promise of where God is trying to elevate him. If Jesus was tempted to believe all of these lies of the enemy, then he would not have sacrificed his life on the cross for each and every one of us. And if Jesus endured, I hear this all the time, but if Jesus endured the same thing three times, he was tempted three times by the enemy. And Joseph, we are not really clear on the exact number because it says in verse in Genesis 39, verses 7 through 10, it says that, um, and specifically in verse 10, and through, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. If both of these iconic characters, our iconic people in the Bible were tempted, who's to say we won't be tempted, especially in the season of stewardship? Just remember the persistence of the enemy. So I'll close with this. Keep this question in mind. What mirage of temptation is causing you to forfeit your promise in the season of stewardship? Yes, it may look easy. Yes, it may look like this is not where I want to be, but I'd rather that than this. That will completely distort and change the course that God has you on. So keep in mind these steps. Step one, remember this is an assigned season. Step two, identify what is tempting you. Step three, refuse and remember the assignment. Step four, trust God is with you through it all. And step five, remember that it may cost you leaving something you want behind. Once you've thought about all those steps, thought about the question of what mirage and temptation is causing you to forfeit your promise, remember this, no matter the circumstance, God is with you. We already discussed how in last week, you are not in control, but God is. The circumstances in which we are living this life are just modules in order to shape who you're becoming. 
that last step of it may cost you leaving something you want behind. Some of these things are identities we've tied ourselves to. And it's in that season of stewardship that God is stripping us of these characteristics that don't belong to us. So as we go throughout the rest of our week, keep those steps running through your mind every single day. We know moving forward isn't easy. We know this, but it's not impossible. And Philippians 4.13 tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Nothing is impossible for the God we serve. And when we're in this season of stewardship, he's not looking to make life harder for us. He's not looking to dichotomize exactly what he's called us to do. He's looking to remind us of who he's called us to be. He's stripping us of these characteristics that don't even belong to us. So let's steward and steward well, because this is just a season. And what's going on right now is nothing compared to the promises that God has in store for us. Let us pray. Dear Father God, thank you for blessing us with this opportunity to look at stewardship in a completely different way. Thank you for allowing us to be able to humble ourselves in this moment and just be a good steward over this season. Thank you for reminding us that the vision is not too far off from what you've called us to do, but this is a season of building and strengthening our character for who you've created us to be. This season is different for each and every one of our peers, our kings and queens out there. But you have called us to this season. You have put in us something where people are able to identify who you are through us. So not that we may get the honor and glory through it, Father God, but they can recognize that they too are not far from your grace and glory in their lives. So we pray that as we go throughout our week, we go throughout the rest of our day, and as we just continue to steward over the season that you've called us to, that you may remind us that we are not alone and that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And as long as we continue to steward, we continue to do what you've called us to do. The enemy may be busy, but you are much busier. And no matter what may happen, Father God, you will always be with us. So just thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking us with all of our imperfections and constantly curating us to be who you've called us to be. And it's in all these things we ask, not by our will, but your will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen. So that wraps up this week's episode of Melon and Medley, and I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to email me at d-e-m-e-l-a-v-e-r-d-a-d at gmail.com and keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear what you, your friends, and family thought about this week's topic. Email me your questions, your thoughts, and even suggestions you may have for future episodes. Feel free to follow me on social media at the Melanin Medley Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, keep your heads up, kings and queens.